I need to make a clarification from last week's sermon. I talked with my mom this week, and I asked her, hey, did you hear the sermon, and did you hear me talk about you recycling your plastic bags? She's like, I sure did. And by the way, you needed to clarify that, because I have certain rules about how I do that, and there are some people who probably think that I'm very unsanitary. I was like, mom, she says, you need to tell them that if it had raw meat in it, that is a one use only, and that bag is done. And if it had something stinky like raw onion, then I wouldn't reuse that bag. She was giving me all of her rules for how she would, would recycle her bags. So I promised that I would offer this disclaimer. And by the way, there were several of you that reached out to me to say that you were also plastic bag recyclers. And so I applaud that. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, then you might want to go back and listen to last week's sermon. Secondly, I also want to uh, make sure that you have directed your attention to a couple of communications that went out from our church this past Friday. Please make sure that you see the notice that our Staff Parish Relations Committee sent um, that was followed by a video from me. We announced that the Staff Parish Relations Committee is requesting a change in senior pastors for this summer, which means that I will be leaving Boone UMC. And then uh, I also, in this past week, requested a spiritual renewal leave that has been approved, and that will begin on February 22nd of this, this year, and it will run through June 30th. So there will be more to say about that in a couple of weeks, as my last Sunday in the pulpit will be February 21st. But you can learn all the details about this announcement in the emails from Friday. And if you, as a church member especially, didn't receive that email, then that means you're not on our distribution list. And we use that as our primary way of sending important notices and communications to our church family. So I would encourage you to to make sure that you request to be on that distribution list. And you can do that one of two ways. You can go to our website and sign up to receive those uh, emails, as well as you can drop our Director of Communications, uh, Kelly Broman Folks, a notice and she can hook you up and you can reach her at kelly at booneumc.org. But this morning I really want to invite us to put our focus and turn our attention onto our worship experience this morning, and especially to this sermon series that we are in the middle of, week three of, of five, that is called The Kingdom. And we're looking at five or six parables from Jesus that he used to teach and talk about the kingdom of God here on earth. And it might be helpful to take a minute to make sure we understand what does this phrase, kingdom of God, mean? When we talk about God's kingdom, what are we actually talking about? Jesus in the Gospels uses the phrase kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven interchangeably. So they mean the same thing to to Jesus. And we talk about the kingdom especially as meaning this, this reign of God, this concept of God's sovereign power where God is in fact the king, where it is God's will that is being done, where it is God's society and community and, and way of doing things that prevails in our life and in our world. Jesus often used these parables to compare the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God. 
So one of our purposes in this series is to invite you week after week to consider which kingdom are you following? Today we explore the kingdom of God by looking at probably one one of the, the most or more familiar parables. It is the parable of the sower. So from Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9. Jesus said many things to them in parables. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path, and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it scorched the plants, and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and bore fruit. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. My grandfather was a master gardener. And I loved, as a kid growing up, to go and visit him. He lived outside of Goldsboro in a small community called Rosewood. And this is down east, so the soil, the dirt down east, is so different from the dirt here in the western part of the state. It's soft, and it's silty, and it was this brown-gray color, and it felt, it was better than sand. It was just so soft to the touch. It wasn't red clay, which was what I grew up, red clay and quartz rock, and it wasn't rocky soil. And uh, I, when I would go, particularly in the summer, and it would be time to come in for the evening and get my bath, my mom and grandmother would laugh at me because all you could see were like the whites of my eyes. I was covered in that, that soft eastern North Carolina, rich, rich dirt. Well, if I got really lucky, our visits were timed when my granddad was doing something in the garden, and he would oftentimes let me help him. He would let me help him plant seeds. He would also let me harvest. And I can remember seeing he would till up the rows of his gardens in just perfectly straight, even rows. He would mound up the dirt, and then if we were planting, he would dig the hole and then tell me how many seeds to drop into the hole and cover it up. And I I mean, we could be planting corn or tomatoes or peas or beans or okra or carrots, whatever it was. And if we were harvesting, that was also tons of fun. And I remember, the things I remember I enjoyed most were helping to yank up potatoes or carrots or even peanuts. The point was that he was so meticulous in preparing that soil to receive the seeds His garden was always productive, and I believe that was because he took such good care in making sure that the soil was at its best and ready to receive and nurture those seeds into plants. I also believe that this is the main idea of the parable this morning. The point is not the sower. The point is not the seeds. 
The point is not even the bountiful harvest that is produced. The point is tr- that I think this parable and that Jesus is trying to make is to point us to the quality of the soil. It's the good soil that receives the seeds and produces the harvest. But the problem is there are a lot of different kinds and conditions and qualities of soil out there, and they aren't all good. So the question to keep asking yourself this morning is, what is the quality of your soil? So let's deconstruct the parable because it's pretty straightforward at first glance, but let's make sure we we understand what it's actually saying. That hard-packed soil on the path that the seed falls onto is is too hard for the seed to take root, to to grab hold, and the seed just sits there, and eventually the birds will come and, and eat those seeds up before anything can happen. The rocky ground, the soil is, is pretty shallow because of the layer of rocks that are underneath. And although the seeds do take root and they take off, because they can't develop deep roots, when the sun comes out, the plants shrivel up and die down. They get off to a quick start, but they don't last. And then that thorny soil, there are too many weeds and thorny plants that overtake the healthy plant and end up choking it out. And then that good soil where the seeds take root and they grow strong and they produce grain in abundance. There are two other scriptures that can help us go a little bit deeper in what Jesus is trying to say to us this morning. And these hints uh, come after Jesus tells the parable. The disciples then say, Jesus, why do you teach people in parables? Why do, you, why do you talk like that? Why do you teach like that? And Jesus responds to them by quoting Isaiah chapter 6. So in verse 14 of Matthew 13, he says, You will hear but not understand, see and not perceive, for their senses have hardened and your ears will not hear. And he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Essentially, Jesus is using Isaiah to say that there are some who just won't get it. They just won't. It won't sink in. And his warning to the disciples is, don't be like them. Open your eyes and your ears and hear God's word. Let it seep in. Let it shape you. Let it form you. And then hint number two comes starting in verse 18. This is one of two parables where Jesus himself actually offers an explanation. Let's hear how Jesus interprets this parable. Consider then the parable of the farmer or the sower. Whenever people hear the word about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and carries off what was planted in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown on the path. As for the seed that was spread on rocky ground, this refers to people who hear the word and immediately receive it joyfully because they have no roots, they last for only a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. As for the seed that was spread among thorny plants, this refers to those who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the false appeal of wealth choke the word and it bears no fruit. As for what was planted on good soil, 
This refers to those who hear and understand and bear fruit and produce. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. This is God's word for all of God's children. So let's do what we've been doing each week and take a moment and work out our key of what each thing symbolizes in this allegory or parable. The seed equals God's word. That's what is trying to be sown. That's what's trying to be spread. That's what will bear fruit. The sower is Jesus. And later I would make the argument it is the church as the church tries to be the messenger of Jesus in the world. The soil and the ground, that's us, the people. The path represents those people who hear the word, but they don't understand it. And and when that happens, the evil one can easily snatch the teaching of Jesus from their hearts. The rocky ground are those people who hear the word, and they immediately receive it with joy. They're gung-ho. It's great. They have a positive, wonderful joyful reaction but there's no roots and when trouble comes and life gets hard and and to follow God's word becomes a challenge harder than they thought that it would be then that word hasn't matured enough and in that person the word then fades away and the faith dwindles and it just doesn't sustain because it hasn't taken root And then the thorny soil, that's the the person who hears the word, but the cares and the temptations of this world dominate that person's attention. And there's no opportunity for God's word to take root. So God's teaching and kingdom gets choked out and there is no yield. And then that takes us to the good soil. And this is the person who hears and understands the word of God. It sinks in. Jesus' teaching shapes them and informs that person. And, and they respond to his teaching in their life. And it bears fruit and it yields fruit for God's kingdom. Y'all, we want to be the good soil. But we know that the reality is there are many, many challenges between when God's seed is sown in a person's life and when that seed is harvested and bears fruit. It's just like my granddad's garden. It's a long time from when we plant those seeds in the dirt and when he, he is able to harvest the fruit or the vegetables. He has to do a lot of work in between in order for those seeds and plants to be nurtured and cared for. So we believers should not be surprised or discouraged by this challenging time between the sowing and the harvesting. But the good news here is that in spite of those challenging, difficult moments where we might feel hopeless that we look around and think that our ministry is failing or the kingdom is not impacting the world around us, we can count on the fact that Jesus will, Jesus will yield a generous harvest, even if it's hard to believe or hard to see at the moment. The reality is, and this is hard to accept, but it's true, is that Jesus will sow the seeds of his kingdom But it will have various results, and not all of them will be fruitful. 
The seed doesn't always fall on good soil, but that doesn't mean Jesus or the church are careless sowers of the seed. In fact, Jesus always casts the net wide. He casts the seed wide in his ministry, teaching and inviting everyone to have a seat at his feet to be part of God's kingdom. But not everyone accepts the invitation. So check in with yourself. You've been invited to participate in this incredible kingdom of God. Have you accepted the invitation or to stay true to this parable? Are you hearing and understanding Jesus' word in your life? How can you tell if you're hearing and understanding God's word? It's actually quite a quite simple test. Are you obeying God's word? Are you obeying God's word in your life? In Hebrew, the same word they use for hearing also actually means obey, sema. People who are like the soil that has been tilled and mounded with a hole for the seed to go in are people who respond to Jesus' teaching with obedience because then they will bear fruit. If we live in the ways that Jesus taught us to live, if we treat others the way Jesus taught us to treat others, if we worship God the way Jesus taught us to worship God, then we will bear fruit for God's kingdom. We will be good soil. I think this is another definition of becoming transformed disciples. That's what I've been talking about this morning. And like our vision statement here at Boone UMC, our hope, our dream, our longing is that each one of us becomes transform, a just transformed disciple who lives for the transformation of hearts, the church, our community, and the world. People for whom Jesus' teaching sticks and in whom they choose to respond and enact, to live out, to use that teaching in their everyday life, they become transformed people and examples of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, of what it looks like to let our decisions, our choices, our behaviors, to be guided by the love of Christ and the love of others. Here are a couple things about this parable that I deeply appreciate and that help me to be better good soil, ready to receive God's word in my life. And the first is this parable reminds us it is not about the future. This parable depicts the here and now. It reminds us that God's kingdom can start happening today. This good soil is not a future event. The seeds of the kingdom can be planted and harvest can happen, begin now. You and I are present day. We are part of the now. We talk about the kingdom being the already but the not yet. It is a both and. It is both here and now and it is to be perfected in the future. But, but this parable talks about how uh, we are already a part of the, the here and now, and that we can bear fruit for the kingdom of God today. The other thing that I appreciate is this parable focuses on our human responsibility. And I bet John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, loved this parable. 
His theological teaching is that it is not only just what Jesus does for us. Granted, that is the majority of, of, of our salvation for sure is the grace that Christ offers us. But there is a human response that is necessary. We're not passive players in this drama. Christ offers us this saving grace, the saving word, but it is up to us to receive and respond to it. The kingdom of God this day and time might appear small and at times hard to see and, and hard to see it thriving in our messed up world, but we are reminded today that one day, one day God's kingdom will have an overwhelming impact in this world. And our job, our response, is to become disciples for Jesus, to continue to do our best to prepare the soil for our spirits to receive the seed of God's word in our lives and let ourselves be shaped and formed by Jesus' teaching so we can be Jesus' best witness and examples in this world to practice it and respond to, to this Jesus way in such a way that it starts to manifest in our life choices. The challenge we have to admit and face head on is that the seeds of the kingdom of God can be shared with us, but then in the midst of the busyness of our lives, those seeds can be lost or they can be undervalued, ignored, instead of being received and nurtured. And if we're truly preparing to be good soil, then when we hear God's word, when we hear it taught, when we hear it preached, we don't listen just casually with one ear or give it a temporary, our temporary attention. We don't just casually decide if, well, is this the week that we're going to spend a little bit of time worshiping God or spend a little time in scripture or a little time in prayer? No, God's word should be all-encompassing in our lives. It should be a recognizable force that guides all of our life choices and behaviors. So don't fall victim of those failed soils that receive God's word with joy and even with faith initially, but only superficially. And because there wasn't enough depth to sustain the spiritual formation or enough strength to deny the temptations of this world, and we fail to let the kingdom of God take hold in our life. So I ask you again this morning, what kind of soil are you? What is the quality of your soil? Which kingdom dominates or has control of your life? Are you bearing fruit for Jesus' kingdom or are you reflecting the values and the preferences of this world that we live in? While there's nothing you can do to be good enough to deserve God's grace, we have to remember that, that God is offering this grace in spite of what you and I deserve. But you do have a great deal of power in deciding how you're going to receive this grace. So crank up the tiller, dust off the hoe, get your plow hitched up and ready to go and prepare the soil that is your life. 
break up those hard places that have hardened your heart and have kept you from being open to both receiving and sharing the love of Christ. Till up that soil so that the rocks come to the surface and they can be tossed to the side in order to create that rich, deep soil. Keep yourself from going all in and getting all excited initially for the gospel only to have it fizzle out because you haven't done the work to sustain and prepare yourself for the long haul. And when you realize that it's hard work to be a Jesus follower, it's hard work to actually be faithful to what Jesus calls us to do and then allow that faith to fizzle out. Plow up that soil so that all of the weeds and the thorns get chopped up and rooted out so you don't let life's pressures or a desire for wealth or comfort become more important to you than being faithful to Jesus. Because if you are not careful, the weeds of your life will take up all your resources and keep the fruit from bearing the truth about Jesus in your life and will keep you from being um, the best of who you can be and, and, and taking who you are, who God created you to be, and allow that to bear fruit for the kingdom. Don't let the weeds, the worries take over of your best self. Know that this is not easy work to do. The tiller is heavy. If you've ever worked a tiller, it's heavy to keep it um, on, on, on working that soil. And hose can cause blisters on your hands and an aching back. But when that beautiful, rich soil that is the beautiful God-created you is broken up, and mounded into to, to perfect rows, even imperfect rows, that's not so important. When the holes are dug, and the seeds are ready to be received, when, when that happens in your life, it is a beautiful thing to see. So what is the quality of your soil, S-O-I-L? And what is the quality of your soul, S-O-I-L? UL. And does it need tending today? Come, Holy Spirit, help tend to us this day. Amen.